This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. I just want my law enforcement people to know that they don't have to stay in law enforcement if they don't want to. If they're ready to get out, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's okay to follow other dreams. And I just want to let them know that it's not scary. The transition can be hard, but it's possible. And if that's really what you want to do, this is what I'm showing you can do. Welcome to the Off Duty Podcast. The podcast where we interview the men and women of law enforcement and help you to learn about the person behind the badge. If this is your first time tuning in, thank you. My name is Anthony McNeil, retired police officer and your host. Let's get started. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Off-Duty Podcast. Back at it. Once again, getting out of COVID and making up some of these interviews that I had to cancel, unfortunately. But this is episode number 111, and I couldn't wait to speak to this young lady. Um, I follow her on Instagram, and I started noticing all of these travel pictures. I was like, man, this girl is living it up. She spent 10 years in law enforcement. She was a sergeant, and as she describes herself, as gone nomad. She's a YouTuber, a travel vlogger. She's now living in Thailand. God, here we go. Here we go with the name. I am happy to have joining me, Miss Tyra Valeriano. Yes, you got it. I got it right. Oh, man. (laughs) You got it right. (laughs) Awesome. I I was kind of hoping you wouldn't get it right, but you got it right. (laughs) Tyra, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited that you uh, invited me to your podcast. Absolutely. Like I said, I've been following you for a while now and I love to travel and I see all the great pictures and videos that you put up. And um, I just got to ask, well, before we even get to all of that, let me lead off with my, my usual question. Why law enforcement? So my answer is probably not as typical as everyone else's. It wasn't my dream. And Nobody really convinced me to do it. Uh, I married early. I divorced early. I had kids and I had a friend who was in law enforcement. She gave me a little bit of direction uh, to apply for a correctional officer and spend one year there and apply for a department. It was my way to get on my feet. And that's exactly what I did. So, I mean, there's a lot of backstory to that. It's not just mainly that, but that's what gave me the push to get into law enforcement. And I just ended up loving it. Yeah. How so. old were you when you got into the profession? Uh, 24 years old. Okay. And once you got in, was it what you thought it would be? Um, I actually didn't know what I thought it was going to be. I had no expectation. Okay. I just kind of had a goal and I thought I wanted to be a forensic scientist my whole life. And I, I thought I'm single. I have two kids. I can't do school the way I wanted to. So let me just get into law enforcement and see if it's going to help me get that experience. And I ultimately wanted to be a detective, but I ended up loving patrol. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I had no expectations, but I loved it. And I don't regret any of, of the years that I spent there. If you weren't in law enforcement, what do you think you would be doing? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I've never really thought about that. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Traveling, maybe, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, you've already got that part down. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> well, once you got into the profession, was there 
any one part of it that you had to adjust to or that was a little bit out of your comfort zone, out of your comfort zone? Yes. So um, I'm going to have to go with the training aspect of things. I went to an academy where you were trained to lose. And because of that, I had a fear of any training that we ever had. I dreaded shooting. I dreaded active shooter training. I dreaded every training that we had to go to. And there was like an anxiety that I had. And I just, I couldn't, even though I did really good, I just couldn't shake that. And I dreaded it. But over the years, you know, you learn, it becomes second nature and that fear started to go away. But it took me a lot to really enjoy the training part of law enforcement. I've never heard anyone say that before. Can you elaborate training to lose? Yeah. So when I was in the academy, uh, you know, they want to make it real life scenario training as much as possible. But it was always set up to to where you lost. You know, you never won that scenario. And they were constantly telling you, like, you know, you should have done this. You should have done that. But you were literally set up to lose. And the reason why they said they did it that way was because they wanted to make it to where you could think of every possibility to do it a different way rather than just winning. But they they knew that that wasn't working. The, the academy has changed a lot over the past few years, and that's no longer a way of training. But because of that, it instilled a lot of fear in me whenever it came to training in general. Did that hinder you at all once you got on, on the street? No, because the real life thing is way different than training to begin with. Absolutely. So, Um, I never felt like I was going to go out there and lose because this is real life. But when you go into a training setting, it's that training anxiety. You know, you're just like, well, dang, everybody's going to see me. I'm going to lose. And I don't want to be the the talk of the PD because I did this wrong, you know, and that was the fear that I had. Yeah. Now, you don't have to mention the the department, but what state were were you working in? In New Mexico. Okay. And you did 10 years, correct? I did. Okay. All at the same department? No, um, I did one year in a different department, and that was because the personal side of things, um, I had to go back home, and I ended up applying for another department during the year that I was there to take care of something, but I ended up going back to my original department after that. Okay. Are you originally from New Mexico? I am not. I'm from Texas. Okay. Are there other family members in the profession? Actually, no, I was the first cop and so far the last cop. <laughs> <laughs> How's your family feel once you told them you were thinking about getting into law enforcement? You know, they were really supportive. And <clears throat> honestly, I have like this huge backstory behind it all. It was mainly to support my kids and to be a good role model and to get on my feet. You know, there's there's so much behind it that I had the support of my family, but through the first four years of my law enforcement career, it was dreadful for my personal life. I was in a, a custody battle with my kids mm-hmm. who were in Texas, and it was back and forth. It was a three-hour drive from where I worked to go home. So I was going home after 12, 13-hour shifts every day off wow. to go see my kids for like two and a half years. And the battle was just really ugly. And you know, believe it or not, I didn't win. I thought for sure I had it in the bag. I'm going to get my kids in New Mexico and we're going to be good. And it wasn't like that. I had a house. I had a career. I had a degree. I was ready to go. And the judge said, no, he said, you have a week to come back and quit and leave everything behind and be on welfare or your kids are going to go with their dad. And I made the decision to stay in law enforcement, not because it was a selfish decision, 
But what would have been selfish to me is to be on welfare and not be able to afford, you know, to take care of my kids. So it was a really, really rough patch that first four years. Yeah, man, that's a that's a tough predicament to be in. Man, I don't I don't know if I would want to be faced with that decision. Uh, any regrets from that decision? Um, I don't want to say there was a regret because a lot stemmed from that. I met my husband, who is my husband now. We have a seven-year-old son. You know, I went back to school. I got a master's. I have 10 years experience and I have a really good relationship with my kids. So do I think things could have been different? Yes, but I can't say I regret it because it all led to me, led me where I'm at now. Yeah. And and I was just going to say, you know, I've said this 30,000 times, but I'm a firm believer that everything that happened to us happens for a reason, good, bad or otherwise. And, you know, you were put on the path that you were supposed to be on. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, you had to to give up your, your your kids, but it sounds like you guys are all good. So it all worked out in the end, it sounds like. How many other children do you have besides your one son? I have two other sons. I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. And they're still yeah. in Texas? They're still in Texas. Yes, sir. All right. Now, I said that you are currently living in Thailand. How in the hell did you I end am? up in Thailand? <laughs> <laughs> I get that question a lot. That's that. Yeah, trust me, I get that a lot. I guess this is the perfect opportunity to answer that. <laughs> so actually, um, this is kind of where the department blessed me in a way. I'm a big advocate for take your PTO, find a hobby, and take your time off from work. And I'm in Thailand. It's because of that. Like I, we decided to start traveling abroad. And our first place was Thailand that we decided to travel. And, you know, most law enforcement agencies, I can't speak for everyone, but 12-hour shifts, you get every other weekend off. So I was able to take two days off and have a whole week off. Mm -hmm. So I took advantage of that. And we um, we started going overseas. Thailand, was I flew fell in love. It was literally our first time going overseas. I did two months worth of research and we came here and... It, I just loved it. So we've traveled a lot since then, and we just knew we wanted to be here. So I spoke it into existence. If, I remember looking at Facebook posts from four years ago that said, I'm going to live in Thailand. And I've said it ever since, and the PD thought I was crazy. They're like, you're not going to Thailand. So the day that I put in my two weeks and I said, I'm going to Thailand, they were just like, what? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a surprise. I told you guys. <laughs> you know, don't, don't act surprised. <laughs> Is your husband in law enforcement or was he in law enforcement? He's not. He's actually a bodybuilder and okay. he's been a personal trainer for 15 years, been a, a competitor uh, for 15 years. So he has an online training business and then and that's what he's been doing for pretty much his whole life. Was he on board with making this move? So, uh, yeah, he has a, an online training business and it was a lot more difficult for him to just uproot his business that he had one-on-one -on -one there where we lived. So it took him a little more time, but the minute we got to Thailand, he said, we're going to live here one day. So he was on board from day one. Awesome. Awesome. Was it a lot of planning into making a move like that? You know, honestly, I want to say it wasn't. And with as crazy as it sounds, I think it's because we've been mentally preparing since the day we wanted to move here, but we sold everything we owned, like our cars, our furniture. We sold everything. We have nothing. We came with some clothes and just like our personal items, and that's what we moved with. So we literally gave up all materialistic things that we had, and we, you know, I pulled my retirement, so I kind of have a retirement going, 
And that's what we did. We, we were like, we're not going to have any materialistic things because the life we want is to enjoy the world. And that's what we did. Wow, that's that takes a lot of guts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. I've heard that too several times. <laughs> that's a big move. Now, was there a, a, I know you guys had traveled there previously, but was there a big difference between visiting and living there? Not really. I think the thing for me is I'm not a picky eater, but coming from the U.S. and then coming to a country that is obviously more poor than the U.S., there's some things that I had to adapt to. And when we first came to Thailand, it was a bit of a culture shock, the way they cook their food, the way they... It just seems unsanitary, you know, like you look at it and you're like, this is not sanitary, but it's so crazy because I think like this, this is why this life is not for everyone because I can deal with that. You know, think about it. You can have like the cleanest looking restaurant in the U S and somebody's picking their nose or their butt and they're touching your food yeah. and you're never going to know, yeah. you know, it's not that sanitary there either. It just looks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. <laughs> different. You just remind me when I was working, um, I had an alarm at this restaurant and it was a upscale restaurant restaurant and when we walked in the front part of the restaurant was beautiful i mean it was absolutely it was like a, a 12 star restaurant we walked into the kitchen and it was like a bomb went off in that place i'm like what the <laughs> hell there is no way i would eat in this place <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's probably the only difference for me is just knowing that i'm not gonna go to that clean looking you know it's not that it's dirty here it's not mm -hmm. that it's just different it's different and trying to adapt to that it took me a while to find food that i really liked so living here and knowing i'm not gonna go home and eat you know ranch and chicken and all this stuff that I like over there, Sonic burgers, whatever. But here I just, you know, there that was the difference is knowing that I can't go home to the things I like. Yeah. Now, how, how does that work with your son in terms of school and things like that? So we actually just uh, registered him the day before yesterday. And here they have what they call international schools. And uh, we uh, it's a private school for um, nomads, pretty much. And they have a British curriculum. And so it's accepted worldwide. So if we ever go back to the States, he'll be good to go. Uh, it is a little pricey. It's way cheaper than the U.S., um, but they, you know, it's uniformed. The school is small and it's full of other kids from other countries that speak English. So it should be easy for him to adapt. Yeah. Now, in terms, if someone was to, to wanted to make a move like this, what's the process in terms of visas and, and things like that? So um, I actually have a YouTube and I kind of touched base on this a little bit, but we had a three-month process to get our visa. And Thailand has several visas, just like other countries have several visas to pick from. Mm -hmm. We call, we picked a visa that's called the Thailand Elite Program, and it is very expensive, okay? I, I kind of don't want to say how much it is because you can look online, but it's not cheap. The reason why we picked it, though, is because visas, you either have a one-entry or a multi-entry. and if you get a one entry, you can only go into that country one time and leave, and then you can't come back on the same visa. So we needed something that was multi-entry. On top of that, um, we don't have to pay taxes for five years. We're going to live here for five years, and we don't have to pay taxes here. So that's a plus. And then also, they kind of give you, I don't know, like five-star service at the airport. You come in, they put you through customs. You don't have to wait in line. They give you a ride to your hotel. Or if you have another flight to catch, they kind of do everything for you. So it's kind of like nice service that they give mm -hmm. 
And that's what we needed. We needed something that was going to accommodate us traveling so much. And then also that's going to fit our lifestyle, you know. So that's what you have to look at. You need to look at the different kind of visas and what applies to you and what it is that fits your needs and your lifestyle before you move to any country in general. Now, you said you guys are planning to live there for five years. What's the plan after that? Is it to renew your visa and stay there? Or is there someplace else on the planet you want to go back, go to? Um, I don't know. We, we, I mean, we plan on staying here forever if we can, but you know, we like Costa Rica. We like Norway. There's a lot of places we really like. It just depends on our son and his schooling. And right now he's more priority than what it is that we want. So, uh, we want to see how he does his first year in school. And then, uh, we'll just kind of get the feeling from there. We can also extend our visa for one more year. So we actually have six years here if we want to stay here that long, but I mean, there's a lot of other places we, we want to live. So we'll just kind of go with it, see where we go. Yeah, now, speaking of other places, I've mentioned that, you know, you have quite the the passport there. Um, what are some other places that you've been to? <laughs> uh, we've been to Costa Rica. We've been to Norway. We've been to uh, Jamaica, co- uh, Turks and Caicos. I love we've Turks and Caicos. We've been to, obviously, Thailand. Oh, I know. I got married there. It, yeah. It's amazing. Um, we've been to Japan, we've been to, oh, I can think of Greece, Italy. We just actually got back from Greece, Italy, Switzerland, and Egypt. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a couple that I'm missing, but we're, we're on the bottom of the totem pole. We haven't even hit, like, we just barely hit double digit countries. So we're, <laughs> we're scratching the surface. <laughs> yeah. Turks and Caicos was one of my favorite places on earth. Did you guys, when you, when you guys went there to get married, it wasn't up on that at the one location up on the mountain at the the peak of that. Um, there's a mountain with a, like a resort or something up there that people get married at. You know what I'm talking about? You had to take a, like a dirt road or something to get up to it. No. Okay. I, 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 no, we got married at Sandals actually. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. When we went there, there was a this place up on the on this mountaintop that oversaw overlooked the ocean. And they say that's where a lot of people come to have their wedding. And I thought it was kind of scary because there were some stairs that you had to walk. I'm like, I don't know if I want to, <laughs> if I want to make this. Yeah, one. no, I probably wouldn't have done that. I, no. <laughs> and it's already hot there. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine finally getting to the, to the end and I'm just drenched in sweat and it's not even, no, thank you. I mean, once you made it to the top, it was absolutely beautiful, but Trying to make that that walk up there. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this. Um, yeah, no, nah, I'll take a pass. <laughs> now, if you guys have listened to the podcast, you know that my podcast is different from most other law enforcement podcasts. And I want to go ahead, Tyra, and jump into my first segment. And this is what I call Dig Deeper. This is where I get nosy and I go poking around my guest social media and I find certain posts and I craft questions around those posts. And the first post of yours I want to ask you about, this was a picture on on Instagram of you standing in front of some columns in Greece. And the caption on that post read, travel, because you have no idea who you are until you experience yourself through different people and realize how we are all the same. Do you recall that post? I do. Okay. And my first question to you was, how was Greece? Greece was awesome. Like the food, oh man, honestly, if I could just Go from Thailand to Greece, back and forth every day just to eat. I would do it. But Greece was beautiful. It was actually, it surprised me because it's dry. Like it, 
it's not like green and pretty. It's just, it's nice though. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just dry and nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now for someone who's planning on going to Greece, who would like to go to Greece, was there one thing that you would say that they absolutely have to visit or see or do? So the, I'm not even sure if I'm saying it right. See, Kantos, I'm, it's an island. Uh, we went there. It's where the shipwreck is at. And uh, it's a little out of the way. It, not very many people go there. But I recommend it because the water is insane. Like, it is just... I've never seen water that blue. It's very salty. It's almost like um, an oasis, kind of. I mean, it's, it is it is really salty. It's cold. But it is awesome. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anything that nice. And Turks and Caicos was beautiful, yeah. you know, but... There was just something about that water that was unreal. So that island, I definitely recommend a nice boat tour around the whole island if you can. Um, and it, it do the whole day tour. It's awesome. Yeah. When you um, going back to Turks and Caicos for a second, did you guys go to Middle Caicos when you were there? Uh, no, we actually just did the resort thing because it was our son's first time overseas. Okay. So um, we just kind of wanted to ease them into it. And since we were getting married, um, you know, we're like, hey, we're going to get married, too. So you're going to be our little best man here. And so we just kind of wanted to ease them into what it was like overseas. Yeah, we, we when we went, uh, we took a day trip over to Middle Caicos. And for the size of the island, there's only like 200 people that live on the whole island. And there's this little, I don't want to call it a shack, but a little restaurant. It's called Miss B's, I think it was. It was some of the best food I had ever had. I was, <laughs> I, I'm a sucker for that kind What'd of you stuff. Eat? I had red beans and rice and this chicken stuff that they made, but it was, you know, it was the native foods and it was just, I love that type of place to go and visit and eat and eat what the locals eat. And that's what this place was. And if you look it up on TripAdvisor, it is the place that everyone says that you have to go if you go to Turks and Caicos is uh, Miss B's. It it doesn't look like much, but the cooking and the food is unreal. And I told my wife, if we ever go back, that's the first place we're going. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to try it out. If we ever go back, we'll definitely try it out. (laughs) Yeah. I want to ask you another question about that post. And this has to do with the part because you have no idea who you are until you experience yourself. And my question simply is, who's Tyra? Tyra is a free spirit who doesn't want to be tied down. And I will tell you that I learned a lot about myself traveling. I learned a lot about myself in law enforcement. And it led me to where I'm at now. And I love who I am now and what I'm doing with my life. And I wouldn't want it any other way. You meet people from all over the world and you just realize we're all after the same things. And You just need to learn how to make yourself happy. For sure. For sure. Now, what did you learn about yourself from law enforcement? I learned that I'm actually a very strong individual and that I work very well under pressure, but I also hold in my stress. I I work out, I go to the gym and, you know, I don't really talk to people, maybe just my husband, but I don't really talk to people about what I'm going through. And I was holding a lot of that in. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that it was changing me. Like, I wasn't the same person. I used to be really funny. Like, I don't think I'm very funny now, but I used to be really funny. And I noticed that I just take everything so serious. When I was in law enforcement, I was changing. And I didn't want to be that. That's what it taught me. It taught me who I didn't want to be. Was that part of the reason for leaving? 
some of it was, yes. Um, there was a few cases. Well, there's one particular case that actually just closed. The trial is over now. I'm, I'm still in litigation with it, so there's not too much that I can say about it. But there was a case that kind of affected me, and it was a mass shooting. And um, I was the first responder. There's a lot to it. But it affected the way I saw the safety for my family. And that's when I really started to think, you know, at what point is this about being selfish or is this about me providing for my family? Uh, That's when I really had to make the decision because the situation and where I lived and the, the, the way the people were out getting harassed, they put flyers all over town saying, I was a bad cop because I didn't break up the party. I mean, it was bad. You know, I was going through a lot. And so that just really made me feel like, you know, I don't know if my family is safe and I don't want to jeopardize my family because of my job. Absolutely. You know, maybe it's time I need to do something different. Wow. So that that was the ultimate decision for me. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, it's you know, it's 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 funny. We all come into this profession for different reasons and. It's always interesting to me to to hear why people leave the profession, you know, before they're they put in their 20 or 25 years or whatever it is. And I'm starting to, to hear stories like that more and more of people leaving the profession. Um, I think now I've had five or six guests on that are no longer in law enforcement. And I think that's starting to become more of a uptrend than than anything. But, you know, it's times are different. I, I totally understand. I could not do the job nowadays. There is no way in the hell I would want to go back into the profession. Um, it's just a different time. And I'm old school and I, I couldn't take it. So <laughs> I would definitely end up on the news yeah. at some point. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is I started law enforcement probably like at the tail end of what you went through, you know, um, it wasn't as crazy as it is now and it wasn't as strict as it is now. But I mean, the fact that you can get sued personally for anything that you do, it's just not worth it to me. And I love the job. Okay. I will never discourage somebody from going into law enforcement. I just think that there's a time and a place to be real with people and tell them, Hey, these are the pros and the cons. Yeah. And you need to make the decision that's going to be best for you because it's it's not the way you think it was or the way it is. It's different now. It's just different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Tyra, I want to ask you about one more um, post here. And this was a photo of you and your husband kissing in the Sahara Desert near the pyramids. And the caption was, experiencing the world with you is one of my favorite parts of life. New foods, new places, new cultures, all with the same person. I love us. I love you. You recall that post? Yeah. Okay. And my first question is, how long you guys been married? We actually just had our one year anniversary on the 5th of August married, but we've been together for almost nine years. Okay. And how'd you guys meet? (laughs) Funny story. So October, I was working, uh, I was working night shift and there was a Halloween party and a night shift usually goes to eat at IHOP at three in the morning. And there was this Chippendale, and man, he was so hot. Like, he was a Chippendale, for sure. He was all, like, bow tie and everything. And I was like, who is that? And they're like, oh, he's a trainer here. He's a trainer here. I'm like, he is not from here. He is way too good looking. He does not live here. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So three months passed by, and I promise you I was not creeper. I knew nothing about him. But on my social media, he popped up, and I was like, "That is that that guy? So I looked. 
And I find the Chippendale picture and I'm like, oh, it's that guy. So I, I followed him and I followed him and I messaged him and I kind of started liking his post. He started liking mine. And then we kind of just started chatting and then it was like, hey, you want to go eat dinner? And then just one thing went to another. And then now nine years later, here we are. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Now, I got to ask you one of my favorite questions that I like to ask married couples. And that is. What's one thing that you do that drives him crazy? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> My existence. I just drive him crazy. <laughs> I told him, I'm like, you know, if we move overseas, you're going to have to see me 24-7. Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> but no, um, honestly, I think it's probably... Uh, Honestly, it was the adjustment from being stressed out and learning how to manage my stress. Like that is the most irritating thing to him is because he's like, you don't know how to just not be stressed out. And honestly, I didn't from my job. Like you don't realize how much stress you're under until you're not in that environment anymore. And you're like, holy hell, what? I can't believe I was stressed out. I thought it was normal. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. But you realize that you're not. And the adjustment that I've been having to go through on top of when I was in my career, he just did not like me being stressed out. That was what irritated him. So he just wants me happy. He's like, hey, you don't have to work when we're in Thailand. Just relax and find something you like to do. And originally I would have been working here, but he's like, nah, just you, you find you, be happy. And that's it. Learn how to manage that stress. Are you following so those instructions? That would probably be. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I mean, I still irritate him, but now it's because I'm just annoying. <laughs> I just like to annoy him. <laughs> and my, my next question to you is, what's one thing that he does that drives you crazy? <laughs> he leaves his stuff everywhere. Like, oh my God. I just, I know every, no, okay, maybe not every man, but every many man. men. Don't, every, okay. Well, it just irritates the hell out of me. Like, your shirt is dirty and you just threw it on the, the dresser? Like, put it in the dirty clothes, you know? Like, is that sock on the floor? Like, what is that, clean or dirty? You know, just pick up your stuff. <laughs> pick up your stuff, that's all I ask. You know, and there's always an excuse. There's an excuse, well, it's because I'm busy or whatever. But no, no, pick up your shit. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I've been in, in quarantine this last week. And and now that I've come out, I was, I was in the the extra bedroom my wife goes um that room's a mess I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yes it's those little comments that you know we're irritated we're like Ugh. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly all right tyra i want to go yeah. ahead and jump into my next segment and this is what i call random seven these are just seven totally random questions um just try to answer the best you can okay and right. the first one is if you had a label, a warning label, what would it say? Uh, short fuse. <laughs> <laughs> Proceed with caution, short fuse. <laughs> wow. You, do, you, do you have a temper? I can, yes. Yes, I can. And it's not that I can't control it. It's just I don't have a filter. And I feel like if there's something I don't like, I'm going to tell you. And I'm very upfront. Not many people like that. That's not approachable. It's not... A lot of people don't like that, which is, you know, it's just how I am. It's just part of who I am. Did that hurt or help you on the job? Both. <laughs> and both because, number one, I could take care of myself and I'm not scared to say what I have to say. But where it hurt me is because as a supervisor, 
you have to separate that from where where you're going with it. So, you know, I can stand for something very strongly and argue with the higher ups about it all day long, but I can't tell my guys, you know, this is what I'm doing. I hear you, but this is how I feel about it. Invent to them. It, it, there was that line that it was hard to separate, but I had to do it. That was probably where it hurt me because I, I wish I could tell my guys, look, I don't agree with this. And no, I'm on your side. And, you know, but you have to learn how to separate that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. All right. Next question. What argument did you have that looking back on it was absolutely ridiculous? <laughs> um, so my husband had, uh, I had a Gatorade in the refrigerator <laughs> at home and I was looking forward to drinking my Gatorade <laughs> after work and I got home and my Gatorade was not there. Okay. <laughs> I was ready to drink that Gatorade. And I was like, where's my Gatorade? And he thought his sister was there. And I was like, where's my Gatorade? And he's just like, I drank it. <laughs> oh my God. That, that was an unnecessary argument. <laughs> But that's where the short fuse came in because I was ready for the game. Was that a spillover <laughs> from work now or was that just the short fuse? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't know because he's done that before. You know, there's this meme that I saw where it's like they have a, a leftovers of rice and chicken and it says like six chicken and 7,442 rice. And they write it on there. They put it in the fridge. Like, I literally felt like that. Like, I had to write everything on my stuff <laughs> so he wouldn't mess with it. So I think it was kind of like a spillover from work and from other things that he ate that were mine. <laughs> and then it was like, really, I wanted that. You should know better. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Next question. <laughs> if you knew the winning lottery numbers, would you keep them to yourself or share them with others? You know what? I, I would probably keep it to myself, but let me tell you what I would do. I would secretly bless people because there's nothing like living like you have. You don't have to live like you have money, but you can go out there and you can bless people and they're living with the same thing. So I think I wouldn't want everybody to win because there's not enough to go around for everyone. But when you have it and you can give it out, I think that it makes people feel better than just having this lump sum of money and you know what are you most people are just going to spend it and you know like they're just going to go out there and waste it so i would rather bless people especially here in thailand i i tipped a lady a hundred baht which is equivalent to like two dollars and eighty cents and i gave her a hundred baht and she literally was in tears wow like this is a lot this is a lot and it seems like that like i would just love to go around and bless people <laughs> i agree with that i'll probably do the same thing I do the exact same thing because like you're, you're, you're right. People, it's not that much to go around to split up. So, and people would just go through it, you know? So I would, I would, I would do this, do the exact same thing. And speaking of money, my next question is what's the most amount of money you've ever found? And what was the, what was the circumstances? Um, maybe like $20. And I think I found it on the ground. Uh, I don't think I've ever been really lucky to find a lot of money. <laughs> I think the I wish <laughs> the most I ever found was a hundred dollars, and I was a cadet at the time, and I was writing parking tickets. And I get out of my car to go put a ticket on this car, and as I'm walking up, I see money on the ground. Now, as I get closer, it is money. Holy shit! It's two fifties. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
So what'd you do with it? I kept it. (laughs) (laughs) What did we all? (laughs) I kept it. (laughs) You know, I mean, there was nobody around, so... You know, I tell you a funny story though, uh, and I've told this story on the on the podcast before. When I was working the front desk, I had this kid come in, and there was a college in our area, and he comes in, and he has this look on his face, and I can see it as soon as he walks through the door. Like this kid had something on his mind that was not good, and he walks up to the window, to, and I say, "Can I help you?" He says, "I need to make a, ex- a, a report. I, I lost some money. How much did you lose?" $20,000. What do you mean you lost $20,000? Did you lose it as in misplaced or you lost it gambling? What was the story? He goes, no, it was my tuition for school and I can't find it. And I said, okay, he, he was a Asian kid. He was from, um, I think Japan and his parents had actually given, it was 4,000 in cash. And I think the rest were in cashier checks. And, um, I take the report from him and he leaves And about 40 minutes later, this other kid comes in and he says, you're going to think I'm the stupidest person in the world, but I need to turn this in. And he sets the envelope up on the thing. (laughs) And sure as shit, it's this kid's money. Apparently, when he got out of his car, he had it stuck in the door and it fell out of the door and he didn't see it. And when I called him and said, hey, I got something for you. He's like, what? I said, I got $20,000. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> like, I'm like, yes. Wow, what a lucky kid. <laughs> yeah, like someone found it and they brought it and, and turned it in. So you can come pick it up. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. He's very lucky. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, next question. What's something that really happened to you, but nobody would believe it unless they were there? Hmm, it's a good one. Honestly, I don't really know a good one. I mean, it's not that they wouldn't believe it because they probably would, but I think it's more along the sense of I wish I could have seen it. Uh, We were in Costa Rica and I have a drone. I flew my drone and it was going to run out of battery. So it started to come towards me. And instead of landing, it was like coming at me. Okay, like it was coming for me. So I went like this and I sliced my hand in Costa Rica first day. So I ended up having to go get stitches and then I have like a big bandage around my hand. Okay, first day. So I'm walking around like Michelin hand and I go to the beach and I'm like, okay, I can't get in the water because I have this thing on my hand. So I'm just walking on the shoreline and a freaking wave comes and there's jet skis parked on the shoreline. And this jet ski literally slides over, knocks me on the ground and my hand lands in the ocean. Oh, wow. So it's not really that it wasn't it was embarrassing. And of course, I'm sure there was some people that saw. But I got up and I looked at my husband. I was like, it's time to go. (laughs) Like, I do not want to be out today. It's not a good day. So I would say that it's not really that they didn't believe it happened. It's more like. Like, dang, I wish I could have seen that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tyra, two more questions. And the next one is, what is the quickest way for you to lose respect for someone? Hmm. Number one's probably going to be lying. And also, I don't like fake people. I'm not about that life. Like, I feel that if you can just tell somebody what you need to tell them and be done with it, that's the way to go. So lies and faking, just be real. 
Yeah. I, that is the number one thing. I promise you, I don't have a large group of friends at all because I just don't. It, it's not it's too much energy for me to <laughs> please everyone. You know, I, hear I don't that. like to. That's too much. Too much. <laughs> I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, last question. How well do you trust your gut feelings? I trust them wholeheartedly. And a lot of that comes from law enforcement. It comes from relationships. It comes from friendship. Everything after after you look back and you're like, man, I had that gut feeling, you start to realize, hey, it's trustworthy, especially in law enforcement. I mean, you really have to learn how to trust your gut. But I, I think I wholeheartedly trust my gut. I think that if it's wrong, I'd rather it, I'd rather say it was wrong than to say I didn't listen to it and it was right. Yeah, yeah. I think for those of us in law enforcement, if you're a good cop, you learn to really trust your gut. And that definitely mm-hmm. spills over into all other aspects of life. Um, so I, I'm the same way. I, I, I tend to go with my gut feeling more so than not. Um, I feel like I make pretty, when it, when it happens, I'm, I'm usually right. You know, so I, I, I always try to follow that. Always try to follow that. If I can flip the switch real quick mm-hmm. and just ask you a question, is there anything that you um, trusted your gut in in law enforcement that you otherwise may have not have trusted your gut? Yes, actually, there is. It wasn't a matter of trust. It was just a feeling that I get. And we had a call of suspicious subjects. And it was me and my partner. And we were riding double. And it was three subjects in a vehicle at an apartment complex and we're riding around. And for some reason, as soon as we came across the car, we both got the same feeling. Something is not right. And we couldn't explain what it was, but we knew something was up. We end up talking to these three guys and we didn't have anything on them, but we knew something was wrong. We got their names, let them go. Turns out the next morning at 7.30, we end up getting a call of shots fired. It was at another apartment complex, but it was two complexes over from the one that we had gotten the call from with these guys. Turns out these guys were hitmen. They were... Wow. Yeah, they were at the wrong apartment looking for someone who was supposed to testify in a court proceeding. And... Once they found the right apartment, this guy, he came home that morning. He worked nights at a bar or something, and he came home that morning. And as he got out of his car, they unloaded. I think they fired 18, 19 shots and never hit the guy. So they weren't great uh, <laughs> hit <man. laughs> They weren't great hit, man. I know. No. Whoever spent money on that definitely lost. <laughs> but the funny thing is, and this is a funny story, actually. We end up getting into a pursuit. I was headed to the station because my shift was about to end. And when the call came out, the freeway was like a half a mile from our station. So I said, okay, where the shooting actually took place was about three miles north of where I was at. So I said, okay, they're going to head southbound and head back to Detroit. So I go and I sit on the ramp and I'm waiting. And another officer calls out with a lookalike car that was ahead of where I was at. And I said, no, that's not them. They couldn't have gotten that far that quick. And no sooner than I say that, here comes another car that matches the description, and it's them. We get into a pursuit. They end up crashing on the freeway. 
Two of them were caught right there in the car. One jumped out and ran. He jumps over the median and he runs across the freeway and we end up catching him. But the funny part of the story was it had just started snowing. And when I went to hop over the, the median, the wall, my wedding van popped, popped off. And oh no, I couldn't find it. It's in, the, it's in the middle of the freeway and cars are starting to come and there's snow on the ground. So I couldn't see it. <laughs> so I'm like, do I go chase this damn guy or do I find my way? <laughs> well, okay. I, I got the perfect answer for you. You need to find that ring. I did. <laughs> I did. I said to hell That's with him. Funny. Yeah. I said to hell with him. Let me find my wedding ring. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> But because it had just started snowing, we were able to track him and we did end up catching all three of them. But yeah, that was that was the one time. Like I said, it wasn't really a right or wrong thing. It was just something didn't feel right. And we both felt that in our and and I and to this day I can't describe what it was. It was just something that said, This is not your typical suspicious vehicle. And I, I, I can't even tell you what it was, but we just knew something was up. That is awesome. Yeah. Awesome story. <laughs> yeah, it was it was funny. I still laugh about that. I don't know how my wedding <laughs> ring just popped off. It just and I and it, I know people that were driving in the traffic. They probably was like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" <laughs> hey, that is the true test right there, though. That's the true test. It's like, do you want a mad wife or are you going to go chase this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I let somebody else find him. I did not want to go home and have to explain to my wife I lost my wedding <laughs> ring. <laughs> Because that would not have gone good. All right, Tyra, I want to go ahead and get to my last segment here. And this is what I call this or that. This is like my rapid fire round. I'm simply going to give you two topics. You have to pick one. Don't give it too much thought. You can interpret them any way you want. All right. And the first one is test the waters or dive in the deep end. Dive in the deep end. Sort by price or by rating. Rating. Comedian in serious film or serious actor in comedian film? A comedian in serious film. Silly hats or silly socks? Silly sock. Night or morning? Uh, night. I'm a morning person. <laughs> passenger or driver? <laughs> uh, passenger. Cooking or being cooked for? Being cooked for. <laughs> <laughs> Sneakers or dress shoes? Sneakers all the way. Permission or forgiveness? Forgiveness. And the last one, loyalty or respect? Loyalty. Tyra, listen, this was a lot of fun. I'm so happy you agreed to come on and talk to me. I was really looking forward to talking to you and and learning more about you. Like I said, I've been following you now for a while on Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, if you don't mind, can you share your Instagram and all your social media? I know you have the YouTube channel. Can you just share a little bit what that's all about? Yeah, my YouTube, I actually started it right when we were moving. Um, So it's more about leaving law enforcement and moving abroad. Um, I have a wide range of stuff. Like I, I have some cop stuff on there. I have stuff transitioning from there to here. I have videos about traveling. I have how I made the move abroad. It's, it's just kind of like the law enforcement and doing this move and the transition and just putting it all together for those who are interested or they want to do it, or they have questions, I don't mind making a video on it. I just want my law enforcement people to know that they don't have to stay in law enforcement if they don't want to. If they're ready to get out, there's nothing wrong with that. And it's okay to follow other dreams. And I just want to let them know that it's not scary. 
The transition can be hard, but it's possible. And if that's really what you want to do, this is what I'm showing you can do. Awesome. I love it. And with that, I think I just found the title of this episode. Uh, Can you do me a favor? Can you go ahead and share your social media so people can go over and follow you and all of that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, My handle for Instagram is SGT Sergeant. It's a double underscore T dot Valeriano. I know that last name is crazy, but that's what it is. And uh, I have my YouTube links on there. Okay. And guys, there will be links to all of that down in the show notes. So I encourage you to go over and check out Tyra, both on Instagram and on YouTube. She has some great content. The travel um, stuff is very inspirational, very motivating. Um, As someone who likes to travel, um, I really enjoy your content. Um, So again, there's links to all of that down in the show notes. Make sure you go over and check this young lady out. Uh, Some good stuff over there. Any last words before we get out of here? Yeah, just mainly to law enforcement, man, you guys be safe out there. And I know I left before retiring and I don't encourage people to do that if they don't want to, but just do what makes you happy. If the job makes you happy, be the best you can be, be safe, make sure you put your family first and please take your PTO, get that mental health straight, make sure that you are good so that you can be safe on the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, again, young lady, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on here with me. I, I appreciate it. Uh, To you, the listener, I appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. The numbers are going up. We had our best month in the month of August as far as downloads. We are hitting the charts on just about every country in the world. I appreciate you guys doing that. I was looking at the numbers this morning, and we are right now, we are ranked in the U.S., Nigeria, South Africa, Germany, Thailand, Thailand. I forget the other places that we're ranked, but there's a number of different countries that we are ranked in the top 200 and top 100 on Apple Podcasts. And I greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate you guys doing that. If you have not done so, please go over, leave a review on whatever platform you listen to the podcast on. And please subscribe so that you do not miss any future episodes when they come out. Tyra, you and your family stay safe over there. Stay blessed. Continue to travel. And you guys just, uh, everybody just stay blessed. And I'm out of here. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Bye-bye.